Hey, it's Luke, and you're listening to the Tea Talks podcast. Once a month, I invite people to come over to my house in Atlanta and have some friends give short talks on anything they find interesting. We sip on tea, eat Pop-Tarts, and cultivate a community of curiosity. These are those talks being recorded live in my living room with my friends. Hope you enjoy. These are all things that build a company's social capital and make employees feel more engaged and willing to pitch in whenever deadlines get tight. They're more willing to stay late in the night. That was an unintentional rhyme, I do promise. Um, (laughs) One of my favorite games to play with my friends is Mafia. I think it's fascinating for many reasons, but one is that it allows you to experience how your friends think through things in order to make a decision. I've played hundreds of hours of this game with hundreds of friends, and there's one common thread that unites every person to bring about chaos in every single game, and it's this. We are all irrational. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, she was Mafia last game, there's no way she can also be Mafia this game. And just like that, townspeople fall into the gambler's fallacy and the Mafia strike again, thanks to the more menacing opponent, irrational thinking. Now, our irrational thinking doesn't always lead to metaphorically killing someone, like in a game of Mafia, but I think it does kill our wallets, relationships, and potential more than we like to admit. And that's why I was absolutely thrilled when my friend Anna Claire Smith said she would love to talk about how irrational we are as people. I met Anna Claire through my community group at church, and she was brave enough to speak at the first tea talk she ever attended, and she absolutely crushed it with brilliant eloquence making a deep thought simple for us all. So, without further ado, here's Anna Claire on Let's Stop Pretending Humans Are Rational. So let's just jump right in and talk about free shipping, because who doesn't love it, right? In the early 2000s, Amazon introduced free shipping on all orders over $99, and people went nuts. Despite not initially intending to purchase additional items, consumers were only too happy to throw on add-ins to reach that threshold amount, and there was an increase in sales across the world. Except for France. As it happens, the French division had shipping priced at one franc. One franc is basically only 20 cents, which is basically free, but evidently not to consumers. When the French division was changed to also have free shipping, they joined the rest of the nation in the considerable sales increase. So as it turns out, people overvalue free products. They behave as if a decrease in the cost of buying a product also means an increase in the value of it. Or in the words of Dan Ariely, a famous behavioral economist, free only has an upside. It creates an emotional reaction and makes us value it more. We don't see free as having any downside. It's a category by itself and we think about it very differently. Which is why free can so easily get us into trouble. Think back to the Amazon example. How many people continued to throw on add-ins and ring up their total to reach that threshold amount to achieve the free shipping ended up paying way more than they intended to in the first place, right? Or as a Turkish proverb says, vinegar that is free is sweeter than honey. So some of you should consider how we can leverage the power of free though. Some of you are entrepreneurs or freelancers, right? And you probably spend a good amount of time cold calling prospective clients. Well, if you're working with a prospective client that you never really you know, met before, think about using a concept known as give to get or taste try buy, offering an hour or so of your time helping to solve a problem or work on a sample product to then give them an idea of what it would be like to work with you so they're more likely be down with having a longer engagement. 
right? So just a little bit of time can have a longer lasting influence. So traditional economics wouldn't have been able to predict that drastic increase in sales from that zero versus one franc price that we talked about. Between one franc and two francs, economists might have been able to predict correctly. So getting things like this and other theories wrong led economists to team up with psychologists to determine why humans were being so irrational, right? So economics traditionally assumes that people are selfish, have absolute willpower, and act completely rationally. But in reality, humans are impulsive, short-sighted, and just plain irrational. So this was actually talked about by a fellow named Adam Smith, who's known as the founder of modern economics in his book called The Theory of Moral Sentiments back in 1759. But then generations of economists chose to ignore this in favor of more predictable human behavior that can be graphed on pretty charts. Right, but we shouldn't blame economists because other scientists do the exact same thing. Think back to learning basic physics. We assume everything moves in a vacuum to simplify things. And then once you can grasp that, you add things like friction and air density to get a more realistic picture. Similarly, we do the same thing with economics and then add things like aversion to loss, biases, lack of information, emotion to get the more complete economic picture. So this field of behavioral economics has been making a splash in recent decades with two of the founding fathers winning Nobel Prizes for their pioneering work in 2002 and 2017. But outside just the traditional textbook world of economics, understanding human irrationality can really impact your day-to-day -day lives. For example, picture this. You arrive at your in-law's house Thanksgiving evening. Per usual, your mother-in-law has outdone herself with the spread of turkey, dressing, mashed potatoes, corn pudding, and enough pies to weaken whatever resolve you arrived with to cut back on sugar. As the scrumptious meal comes to a close, you think about all the great high-quality food you just ate, and thinking it only fair, reach into your wallet and hand over a crisp Benjamin Franklin. Can you feel the awkward in the room now? Why is this so uncomfortable, though? We go to restaurants and pay with credit cards all the time. But the reality is we simultaneously live in two distinct worlds, one where social norms prevail and one where market norms do. The world of social norms is warm and fuzzy, where immediate payback is, is not expected, right? You help your neighbor move a couch one week, and the next week they'll get your mail for you when you're away. It's a comfortable give and take, right? Contrast this to your neighbor calling you up, saying, hey, I need help moving for a few hours, but I'll make it worth your while and pay you $5. That doesn't feel right. You have a traditionally social situation now having a market norm. And the fact is, people are typically willing to work for free for the sake of goodwill, friendship, all that good stuff. Or they're willing to work for a reasonable wage, as with market norms. But offering something awkwardly in between can oftentimes cause someone to just walk away, right? Note, however, that giving gifts still resides in the world of social norms. So you help your neighbor move their couch, and they respond by giving you a gift of cookies from a local bakery. And you leave, warm and fuzzy with that social exchange and with some awesome baked goods. But contrast this to then those saying, hey, here's a box of cookies. I got them for $5. Suddenly, you're sent crashing back to the world of market norms, thinking your time was more valuable than that. And so while we know that giving cash instead of gifts might be more economically efficient, after all, some people might prefer to buy donuts with $5 instead of cookies. At the end of the day, gifts are an important social lubricant that help to strengthen our relationships, right? So next time you're moving, consider your options. 
you can hire professional movers as a market norm for a price, or you can ask friends to help you, but definitely consider throwing in free pizza to help you know, strengthen that relationship there. So it's interesting when we consider the impact that social norms can have on businesses, right? Think about startups. It is remarkable how much work startups can get out of employees when the social impact of building something new together is more exciting than the market impact of a lower salary. Or for other companies, things like flex time, working from home, family picnics, free lunches. These are all things that build a company's social capital and make employees feel more engaged and willing to pitch in whenever deadlines get tight. They're more willing to stay late in the night. That was an unintentional rhyme, I do promise. Um, <laughs> so when you stop and think about it, money can actually be one of the most expensive ways to motivate people. So furthermore, when price is not part of the equation, we actually tend to care more about the welfare of others. So think of this example. Tomorrow you go into work and a coworker brings a tray of cookies. How many do you grab? So while you might care about things like calories or your hunger level, you also kind of think about how sad it would be if everyone didn't get some, so you conservatively grab two. Contrast this to your coworker coming up and saying, hey, I made cookies, they're only 20 cents each. A market price was just introduced, so while you still might care about things like your calories, you also have a primary focus now on the great deal you can get on these baked goods, so you reach into your wallet, pull out a five, and buy 25 cookies. Now, both scenarios result in fewer cookies for your coworkers, but only the first scenario results in you caring more about not looking greedy or the welfare of others, right? So when we think about it, the theory of supply and demand is a solid one, obviously, except when the price is zero. So there's a bunch more kind of quirky things that we can see through behavioral economics, like IKEA. What is up with that? Why do we get so into paying for tables and chairs that aren't even assembled? compared to comparably priced, already assembled tables and chairs. But the reality is, we value things more when we help make them. When there's a feeling of something being homemade, we think it has a better value, right? So think about this when you're doing work for a client. It might make more sense to do all your work in a silo and spare everyone the details. But the reality is, if you draw a stakeholder into your process, ask their opinion along the way, make them feel like they're also crafting the end results, when you finally hand a project off to them, they'll feel a sense of ownership because they saw it grow up like a baby. So they'll take more pride in it ultimately. Or another interesting thing is Advil. Why don't people just buy ibuprofen, right? It's literally the same chemical compound, just with different packaging. But the extra price difference actually can make a difference in people. Because if you think that paying more for Advil will make your headache go away better, it will make your headache go away better, right? It's a placebo effect. The same thing can actually happen with wine. We've all heard stories of world-famous sommeliers being fooled in a blind taste test to pick a less expensive wine. But the reality is, if we think and we know that a product is more expensive, we'll actually value it more. So think about that sometimes when you're putting together a price model proposal. So today, we barely scratch the surface of behavioral economics. There's tons of books you can read and blogs you can follow. I definitely recommend reading Dan Ariely's Predictably Irrational. But the fact of the matter is, it's still such a young field, there's more research being done every day. And there's no scientific method for understanding people, right? We have to deal with people as people and not as economists think they are. Because deep down, we are just irrational humans dealing with other irrational humans every day. And that's all, folks. <laughs>
so much, Anna Claire. If you enjoyed today's show, then please help us out by taking a few seconds to leave a review. It makes me smile for the rest of the day. And finally, I have an exciting announcement and opportunity for all of you Tea Talk listeners. Tomorrow, Wednesday, June 5th, we have all been invited to an advanced screening of Mindy Kaling's movie, Late Night. In this film, Emma Thompson is a late-night talk show host, and she hires her first and only female writer, Mindy Kaling. And their generational and cultural gaps make space for a ton of laughs. And this movie doesn't come out until June 14th, but as a Tea Talking listener, you can join us to see the early release tomorrow. If you're interested in joining us for the show, then you can snag your free ticket via the link in the show notes. I hope you can make it. I'll be there with a ton of the Tea Talk community. But until then, stay curious, friends. Thank you.